What's up, guys? We are back. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dear Me. I'm Tammy. I'm Brian. Yes, we're here. We're back. Welcome we're to here. the new America. Um, <laughs> exchange now. Everything's new. We have no problems. Right <laughs> over. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. We did it. <laughs> I knew you had to add that in there. I just, I knew it. Yes. Okay. So how have you been working and adapting and living in this new America? Um, you know, everything's different now. You know, I just see the world. and oh all my- <laughs> Just getting ready for the holidays and mm-hmm. um, doing a Christmas concert. So getting the kiddos all yes. ready for Christmas fun. Exciting. And then didn't you mention that you guys are doing a Christmas card like the Kardashians do? Oh, (laughs) Uh, no. So my sister-in-law set up a family photo shoot. And so during the shoot, we're going to be able to do individual family pictures. So I figure Mm. we'll do our personal Christmas card with our Christmas picture from that shoot. Okay. I don't have to pay for it at all. So it's wonderful. So you're legitimately going to get cards and send them out to people with y'all's faces on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting one. Yeah. You're getting one with a special gift attached to it. So. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. nice. I'll take the cards. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have some greeting on it and it's going to say something corny and I'm going to love every second of it. Oh, that'll be cute. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, and I'm sure your mom will enjoy seeing the kiddos, you know. Yes, she will. All dressed yeah. up. At least she'll get to see them. Right, right. And have a good Christmas feeling. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's going to be cute. Yeah. What about you? What have you been to do since the world changed? Oh, <laughs> since the world changed. <laughs> <laughs> so we are preparing for Thanksgiving. Um, it's funny because I told my mom this year, I was like, okay, well, we can't pitch in like we normally do because we're broke, saving for the wedding, obviously. But, you know, I can kind of just like be there for emotional support, you know? And she was like, so who's going to plan it? And I was like, um, y'all can plan it. Like, I'm not pitching in. So like, y'all could do it. And she was like, well, I didn't know you weren't going to plan it. I thought you just said you didn't have money. I was like, okay, I'll plan it. Okay. So I've literally been rounding up all the horses and (laughs) getting everyone to chip in and pick a dish and just all this crazy fun stuff. And it's just been very interesting. And on that note, your husband is going to be making us a smoked turkey. You're going to be so happy with it. I'm already excited for mine. Girl, let me tell you, y'all, her husband is like practically a chef. So we had some smoked oxtails one time. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm. He's a fool with the smoke. I mean, just ridiculous. Like, (laughs) so we're excited for this turkey, to say the Mm. least. Yes, that's going to be so good. So, yeah, we're excited. It should be fun. Uh, My nephew will be with us this holiday, too. So. Yeah, it's going to be a nice family, just good time. So that's what I'm excited about. Oh, and I'm off three days. Mm. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. 
yeah. So exciting times coming up. It is. Yes. So on that note of exciting times, I guess we can kind of move into the reason why we're here, huh? On to part two. Part two. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. So we are in part two of our Black business series, where we are interviewing a host of Black entrepreneurs. Um, And in each episode, we are having larger conversations that relate to the Black community. So we're in episode two already. So I like the way you worded that, larger conversations. You know, like, I'm like, you know, I'm a wordsmith, you know what I'm saying? So... Today's episode, are you ready? Today's episode is going to be about Black parenting, guys. How exciting. I'm so excited. Like, let's really talk about this, you know? Let's really talk about... Oh, y'all aren't really ready. So let me tell you who we have (laughs) on our show today. So number one, we have Dozy O'Harry who is the founder and CEO of Choose to Do, Inc. So welcome, Dozy. Hi. <laughs> I love it. I love her energy. I love I've it. I've wanted to say that for the longest. Hello, lady. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Dozy? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. This is, this is awesome. Yes. I appreciate it. For sure. This is going to be so fun. I'm excited. Um, moving into our second guest, which y'all might not have guessed. I don't know. You know her as my co-host. However, she also has her own, what, vocal music lesson business. That was not the best way to say it. But she, <laughs> but she is a music guru, guys. This is my... Of, yes. Um, vocal coaching there you go that's better that's better um, this is brian warner co-host and founder owner of brian warner music that's me <laughs> honored to be here you guys really know how to put on the show oh my goodness you're goofy you're such a goof okay. i love the energy i know <laughs> Okay, okay. So let's pretty much get into the real meat of this episode because I'm pretty sure people are ready to hear what you guys have got to say. Um, so Dozy, we're gonna go ahead and start with you. Yes, um, ma'am. So please just tell us your story. What made you start Choose to Do? And I'm also curious to know why you chose that name. Um, yes. Okay, so let's see, where should I start? From birth or like when I was uh, <laughs> too far? Okay, too far. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I am from Houston, born and raised, mm-hmm. um, native Houstonian, went to, grew up in A-Leaf, um, and come from a family of immigrant immigrants. Mm-hmm. My family is from Nigeria, so first generation. Um I am the only girl of four boys. Oh, Lord. Um, mm. I know. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> because when I say that, I expect that reaction. But I don't always get that reaction. Oh, and I'm like, you know God. how tough that is? Yes. That's, tough. Oh, That's a task on its own. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So growing up just in that dynamic of you know, immigrant family and then being the only girl in the household, um, the cultural clash, just, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was hard on me. Right. And so um, in my childhood, I had developed self-esteem issues, mm-hmm. um, dealing with self-acceptance and self-worth. And then I went off to college and I didn't recognize my own trauma. Um, and so I think my, cause I was in school for about eight years. I did, you know, each year twice, you know, I was, I was there, but, um, so my first, the first four years of college, I was depressed mm-hmm. and I didn't know I was depressed. I wasn't going to, to class, you know, failing classes, just sleeping all day or just, you know, not really feeling good and crying and going through all those different emotions. Um, and then, I mean, transferring school as well, um, transferring schools kind of played a, played a part in my depression as well, because I was, it was a representation of me finding myself. Right. Um, and so later on in college, I started seeing a counselor on campus. Um, and then after that, I started seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I've been in therapy ever since then. Um, I've made a career out of therapy because I believe that therapy um, is essential um, to your mental health. If you're going to go see a doctor for because you're sick, you should go see a therapist, you know, to talk about healing your mind. Yep. Yeah. You know, so um, therapy really is where I learned the skills and the tools to help deal with my childhood traumas. Um, and then I graduated, started working in the nonprofit industry, and I started seeing things that I didn't like. Um, working with these various nonprofits that I felt that if I had my own, I could do better. Hmm. Um, and number, the number one thing was um, just making, just knowing that I could really make a big impact on my communities or in my community and communities around the world that look like me, you know, black and brown communities. Right. Um, and so literally I was at my last job, which was, I think like, what was it? 2015, 20, yeah, 2016. And I was sitting at my desk, or I was walking around, I was doing something, and I was, was like, in my head, I kept hearing, Dozy, you could, you could do better. Dozy, you could do better. Dozy, you could do better. And so I started looking, started trying to figure out what was better for me. And I quit my job, became a nanny so that I could pay my bills, mm-hmm. and started following this journey of creating my own nonprofit. And I knew I wanted to impact the kids. And I knew that I wanted them to have the knowledge of self, of self-love, self-worth, self-acceptance. I wanted them to have all those things because I, I keep like when I look at myself in the mirror, I recognize that if I was given those tools at a younger age, my life would be so much more different. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted kids at that young age to have that information. So I was like, you know what? I think I could start my I could start my own nonprofit, um, and I was sitting at, at at a restaurant with my friend one day, and I was just going over some ideas with her about the business name, and what I should call it. And so she was she she came helped me come up with the idea of choose to do, because behind it is that ultimately your life is about choices. You can choose the path that that you want. You can choose who you want to be. You can choose your perspective. You can choose how you feel from day to day, minute to minute. Those choices are are in your hands. And so that is how Choose to Do became um, the name. And then I just put Incorporated on there because it's a nonprofit. Right. Wow. Wow. That is 
such a deep and powerful story. Like, I think I echo Brian's sentiments. We're huge mental health advocates um, yeah. on this podcast. So, wow. I mean, I, I think that's so great that you were able to kind of take some of that trauma you went through and really use it to just like shine a light and help kids, yeah. you know, like, I think that's amazing. And I think that's something that a lot of people get caught up in too, is that they go through trauma and they think they're the only one that's ever going through trauma. And so they just try to close themselves off from it instead of leaning into it and realizing you're not the only one and you could help other people avoid this. That's an amazing, amazing mission statement. Yes. Thank you. Definitely shows your strength. So kudos to you. That was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Interview over. Thank you, ladies. That was just so great. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, Okay. So what kinds of services and classes do you offer? Um, So before COVID, because, you know, COVID kind of changed some things up for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Before COVID, we actually have had an in-person class and it's called Breaking the Cycle. And it's made up of five classes that promote self-love and leadership among boys and girls, nine to 19 years old. So with each class, they have um, a topic and then activities centered around that topic. So the first class we talk about um, positive self-talk, how to talk to yourself in a loving way. Um, The second class, we we talk about um, healthy versus unhealthy relationships, identifying what that is, recognizing what that is. Um, And then the third class is let's talk fears. So we have the kids to open up about their fears and then help and kind of guide them um, through them so they can have a better you know, perspective on how they can handle it. And then the fourth class is um, creating a vision for themselves from a holistic perspective. Because nine times out of, the ten, nine, nine times out of 10, kids are told who to be, mm-hmm. um, which involves career mostly. Mm-hmm. And so we want them to look at their lives with, in terms of like, do you want a family? Do you like, where do you, do you want to travel? Like, what do you envision for yourself outside of career? What does that look like? How much money do you want to make if you have a career? And just kind of give them, like, plant these seeds of what do you want to cultivate for yourself, you know? Wow. And the last class is our spa day class. And spa day is is literally what it is. They get a spa day. Um, The girls get manicures and the boys get something special. Um, We'll have artists come out and do like self-portraits with the boys, but they have their own version of of a spa day. Mm -hmm. And they get food and it's fun. And then they go through mini workshops to help them summarize what they learned from the class. So that was before COVID. Um, (laughs) You know, now (laughs) we're actually doing everything online. So it's virtual. And we have online classes. Um, they're, they're essentially an extension of our Break the, break in the Cycle program. Mm-hmm. But now we're able to involve the communities that actually take care of these kids. So not mm-hmm. just the kids themselves. So teachers, parents, um, facilitators, social workers, I mean, anyone that has a child in their care can watch these videos with the child to learn how to take care of them or build their self-esteem while they're at home, essentially, essentially out of school. So we work with um, like-minded businesses and organization, organizations that volunteered their time to um, create and teach the activity online. Wow. Awesome. My favorite part about yes. that, I know, I right? Ten years out of the loop, but I mean, <laughs> I know. I was about to say, um, when you open these classes up to 27-year-olds, let me know. 
Because my fears. I still need to define some unhealthy relationships. Okay, yeah. but if I would have yeah. known how to do that when I was nine, I could have saved myself a lot, a lot of, time. of time. Exactly. Oh exactly. my gosh. I like that you're empowering the kids to kind of like, you know, create their own life and, and make their own vision. I think that's awesome. That's so mm-hmm. important. And kids, especially black kids, don't get a lot of autonomy. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. giving that to them in any way, even over their mental health, is so important. Mm-hmm. And you said it. I mean, they don't they don't get autonomy, but you know, um, kids in other and in, in privileged areas, they do. Mm-hmm. They are afforded the opportunity to, to talk about these things and have classes and have these programs where I mean they everybody needs it, but we need it in our communities communities the most and still have fun doing it you know yeah. it doesn't have to be a, a job or tedious or boring you can enjoy learning about yourself right exactly that's so true okay so while we're kind of on that same note what are some of the biggest factors that affect youth self-esteem and how does your organization address them um yeah so i mean any risk factor could potentially derail a child from living an unhealthy, I mean, living a healthy lifestyle. Um, nine times out of 10, it starts off with in the home, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you, and then if you start, if you start taking factors out of the home or changing up the home environment, mm-hmm. it'll change up the child's life. So two parents in the home, they take out one parent in the home. Mm-hmm. Now the child's life is significantly different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Access to healthcare, um, food, just basic needs, mm-hmm. you know, housing, all of those things make up, you know, the child's, um, the child's life and what happens to what their outcomes. Um, and then on top of that, we talk about the demographic or the toxicity that could potentially be in their house home. So domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, or just violence of any kind, um, gang related activities in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, literally drugs, you know, I mean, a lot of kids have also gone, unfortunately, through sex, sexual abuse um, in their household. So, I mean, just having one of those can significantly change your, your, your life negatively. And a lot of these kids have multiple of those things. Um, and so what we do is focus on the mental aspect of the child, but then we supplement our curriculum with other nonprofits, organizations that can provide things or, or resources that we don't have. So for example, for sexual abuse um, victims, we, ha- we partner with organizations that do that. Um, for, for food, we partner with organizations that do that. So it's not just us focusing on mental health and then that's it. You want to make sure that the kids, they, we can provide them with, with as much resources as possible. Yes, it's a, it's a full body movement. It's not just, you know, yeah. Yeah, and it health. has to be. It has, mm-hmm. You can't just attack one area of their life. It's got to yeah. be a working body to help these kids through. Yeah, Absolutely. I actually did um, have a conversation like that with my fiance um, about how, what? Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm a fiance now. I know. That's crazy. I know. I feel like a child. I don't even know how. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but we were just talking about how, you know, you can't possibly have any sort of happiness if those primal needs aren't met. Food, shelter, safety, 
you know, things like that. So I think that's great that you're incorporating that into your lessons and stuff. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you are offering online classes now due to the quarantine. Um, so what kind of results have you seen from those? And I guess, how does this kind of affect your plan for the future? Um, yeah, so we've had, I think, 44 volunteers, which is, we call collaborators, um, teach the classes. So, I mean, that's grown our, um, our, classics, our classes significantly. Now we can create more content that's free mm-hmm. to the community. All you have to do is log on and watch the classes mm-hmm. and learn about yourself. That's it. So the, and because the collaborate, collaborators, they create their own content, we're able to diversify what we're teaching. You know, it's not just, I mean, it's all under the umbrella of self, um, I mean, mental health, health and wellness, but now we can do um, health and wellness where we have a nutritionist, we've had, a, um, we've had personal trainers, we've had yoga instructors, you know, teach a class online. Um, now we can have, um, under our youth development subject category, we've had therapists come out to talk about relationship, building relationships, helping relationships with yourself and with others. We had someone who was licensed, licensed to talk about, um, dyslexia, which is something that, you know, is a topic that needs to be discussed more often Mm -hmm. because that will learn, learn disability. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids have it and and adults themselves have have it and don't know that they have it. Yep. Um, and then under leadership, we've had kids um, actually teach some of the classes as well to other kids. So talking about building your own business at a young age, and kids who have built their own business talking about this information, um, kids talking about leadership skills, you know. So we've been able to broaden our, um, our outreach in terms of you know, what we're teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, increase our... our um, our outreach, people are more people are able to participate now because it's online. Mm-hmm. And we have access to literally the whole world, as you know. Right. So that means that means we can reach more people. So is this so, something that you'll be continuing along with the sure. same classes? Okay. Yes. So cool. now we'll be doing both. Very cool. That's awesome. That's one of the few good things that came out of this year is that we're <laughs> relearning how to, you know. Yeah. yeah, rethinking how we run our businesses and what yeah. we can do to help more people. So that's awesome. Because it can't that's be awesome. the same. You gotta you gotta grow with the times, you know. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta be adaptable. Um mm-hmm. so I did have one kind of follow-up question. I know you said you partner with a lot of other organizations and professionals um, in the community. And so just wondering if, you know, there are any in particular that you're currently looking for, looking to partner with. Um, So we're looking to partner with more black um, and brown um, led organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, Black and brown male, I'm sorry, specifically male led organizations Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that fall under the mental health and wellness category because um, we we mentor boys and we want to make sure that they have representation. Right. Um, we have a, a lot of women, black women and brown women that support the organization and our kids, which is great. So now we need men as well um, because the boys, they don't have access to positive influences, mm-hmm. positive male influences. And so we're not really looking specifically for, you know, what you're doing, as long as you're under the realm of what you do. And you're, you're, it's a like-minded 
partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, I pre- prefer it be uh, male, uh, male led by a um, black and, or brown man. Okay. You know, like that's um, it's just so hard. And, I, and I've had this conversation with black men as well. Some black men and black men who are active in the community mm-hmm. and black men who are just getting their feet wet or just, you know, are kind of, you know, trying, thinking about doing or interested in doing, but don't know how to how to go about doing or where to start. Mm-hmm. And it's the same conversation of um, black men just don't support. I don't want to say they don't support, but it's just like there's a lack there. Yeah. You know, of of getting black men to support and black and brown men to be involved in giving back. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a large population of, of black and brown men that do do it. Um, I just got to tap into where they are. So wherever you are, if you're out there, <laughs> we need you. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, my fiance was looking for a black male therapist not too long ago. And um, yeah, he still hasn't found one. So yeah, it, yeah. it's it's crazy. Um, it's a thing. Yeah. So hopefully that will change in the near future. Um, but Yes, this is this is awesome what you're working on, Dozy. I mean, I'm thoroughly impressed. I, <laughs> Thank you. I, I I have no words. So this is amazing. And at such a young age, too. I know age doesn't matter, but it kind of does because that's really cool what you're doing. <laughs> girl, I'm not young. I'm 35. Oh, girl, I'm please. Young. Please. 35. <laughs> really? <laughs> just now can be president like just now you know you're yeah. still a baby you know that's true that's true that's very true well thank you so much for sharing that about your business and everything um continue listening to this episode guys because you will find out where you can follow her her website and all of that good stuff so in the meantime we are going to switch over to Miss Brian Warner. Oh no, you're Mrs. Right, Mrs. Uh, I guess. Yeah, you're like whatever. Okay, so Brian. So please tell us what made you start Brian Warner Music. Oh, um, necessity. <laughs> I got laid off um, at the beginning of the COVID because um, the school that I was working at couldn't weather the storm Mm -hmm. so it was kind of do or die for me it was either go back out and get another job at starbucks or just yeah a dream that i've been kind of holding back on forever you know it's kind of now or never this is the this is what they say you know this is the shot this is the opportunity that comes once in a lifetime kind of thing so um the way that they set up you know the kind of, I guess, severance package that they gave me set it up so that I was able to start my own thing financially and I had enough clients mm-hmm. to um, to come with me. So mm-hmm. I just jumped on the opportunity and thought, you know, this is something that can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, it can get me through COVID. So, right. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. one step at a time. But back when I started it, I had a completely different vision for it than I do now. And then back before I even thought about this, I had a different vision altogether that mm-hmm. I think is now starting to come more full circle. So mm-hmm. that's exciting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Generally, right when I started it, it was like I said, just survival. I just need to take this opportunity. I can either do this or I can go back to 
working a nine to five and that's not something I wanted to do at all. Understood. <laughs> right? Snaps. <laughs> Snaps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you guys have to understand she has been talking about doing something like this on and off for quite a while. God, I, I wrote my my uh, essay for one of the scholarships that I applied to in high school about opening up a music studio. Wow. wow. And I just found that essay on my old computer the other day and I was like, am I living my dream? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes, you are. Oh, yes. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you finally just went ahead and went for it because I know this is something you've been wanting. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so what kinds of services or classes do you offer and what age group do you teach? Um, I teach, uh, well, I will say all ages and it's technically true, but um, so I teach private lessons. Major the majority of what I teach is private lessons. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just 30 minutes to an hour one-on-one -on -one classes. And I teach ages five to adult in that. And then I also offer like um, toddler music classes virtually now, but um, before when I was still working for the school, I was also doing that as well, mm -hmm. teaching toddler music. So basically it's like a mommy and me type movement class that mm -hmm. teaches kids like six months. I mean, you can really bring them at any time, but six months is when they really start to be able to clap and, you know, get involved in music and stuff like that. So um teaching them rhythm and and tone and uh timing pace tempo all kinds of just like the basic you know stuff and mm. and i take my teaching philosophy and just kind of fun it up you know put <laughs> nursery rhymes in there <laughs> clapping and um stuff like that and, you know the kids really but but the main way that i teach is um based mostly off of uh, muscle memory and kind of the biology of singing anyway. Um, so I don't really focus a lot on like the music theory and like, here's a worksheet, fill out the circle of fifths type stuff. I mostly <laughs> focus on how does that feel? Um, what is your body feeling when you have that? Are you able to recognize this and that when you're singing, stuff like that? Wow. <laughs> I just take that and put it into a kid-friendly How's your body feeling? Do you feel this tempo? How's the rhythm? Is this a fast tempo or is it slow? Do you? So it's just relating to kids. And I really honestly wouldn't have been able to do this if I didn't have kids because mm -hmm. relating to kids is a whole different thing that I never would have ever, like I'm an only child. So I never had to mm -hmm. with younger siblings mm -hmm. or like grow up with babies or like, have sisters and brothers that had nieces and nephews and stuff like I have my stepsisters and stuff but um yeah <laughs> so yeah. I had to learn how to relate to kids and I started relating to kids obviously from my kids who were toddlers so the toddler music kind of came as like the first branch of my knowledge of how to reach kids in in that way mm -hmm. because it came from me reaching my own kids in that way so you know, dancing around the house with my own kids and, mm -hmm. you know, singing around with them and all kinds of stuff like that just kind of helped me translate that into a bigger group of kids, right? So mm -hmm. still trying to work out the kinks of doing that one virtually. I tried it a couple of times and the kids yeah, It's hard, yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, the one-on-one -on -one classes are, are kind of made for the virtual 
atmosphere. So, wow. Yeah. This is like a whole okay. science. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Is. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know how you do this. I have no idea. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, I mean, you talked about owning your own music studio in high school. So where does your passion for music come from? I know this has probably started super, super early. Um, <laughs> if you guys might remember on our first episode in the series, her mom was actually one of our guests and um, she is an actress. So she's definitely singing, dancing, all of that stuff. So yeah, just kind of give us that whole background there. <laughs> um. Well, honestly, honestly, the passion for music in general came from growing up in the church and literally would hate every single other part of being at church. I was about to say that shocked me. (laughs) Other than praise and worship, I really couldn't stand being there any other time. So, like, once praise and worship was over, I'm like, okay, it's all like, um, so, but just growing up around that kind of, I mean, you know, when we were young, when we were kids, kids, like growing up in that kind of environment, the music was so loud and everything was so big and it was all kind of like a show. So from from that aspect of it, I just kind of would look up at that and I love the way the music sounded. And I love, you know, when it's a really loud music, you get that bum, 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 bum in your chest, right, with the drums. So mm-hmm. um, mixing that with with natural abilities and training from a very young age because my mom put me in dance almost immediately Mm -hmm. so uh you know i was taking ballet classes from very young age Mm -hmm. so going from ballet into you know theater into singing because singing was the last one on the bandwagon honestly i did not really i was a dancer wow that's what i wanted to do um so and then singing was just like a little sidetrack whatever even though it was probably i don't you know in the most humble way possible it's probably the thing i was the best at out of the things that i could do mm-hmm. i still was like no i want to dance <laughs> <laughs> so um but once i kind of figured out that musical theater was my bag and that's where i lived i think um from there the passion just came from the ability to tell stories through music and stories and music are probably two of my favorite things in the world. So to be able to mix them together and, and reach because, you know, so many musicals reached me and changed me when I was growing up. So the ability to be the person in my head, you know, when I'm growing up dreaming of being on Broadway, being the, you know, having the ability to convey those things, those feelings and help other people through the difficult times in their life that other musicals have helped me through, mm. that drove that passion. And then from there, life took over and completely killed that passion for several, several years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. and then another series of really tumultuous life events happened and kind of threw me into the creative world again where I was like at a point where I needed a job and I needed something new because going back to corporate going back to customer service going back to retail was not finna do it for me mm-hmm. so um 
I just is again another turning point in your life where you take a step and take a chance. And I just went out for this interview that I probably should not have gotten. Um, but I mean, and you know, that's honestly that's just me with my imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. thinking like I should not have had that job. There was no way. But it was my first job in that industry, right? So everybody feels like their first job in whatever industry is their mm-hmm. dream is like, why am I here? How did they hire me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I trained for this. I've been doing this my whole life. So I did deserve it. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you came to that to those terms, (laughs) because as long as I've known you, you've been doing all this. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, (laughs) wow, I cannot believe your love stemmed from church. I hope your mom is listening. She'd be so proud. For you, all for you and God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so do people have to have any experience or quote unquote natural talent (laughs) before coming to you? No, no, absolutely not. Um, and that's another reason why I'd like to start with kids too, because um a lot of adults already have their guards up, right? They already have their walls up, like I don't self-preservation but kids they just mostly will just sing whatever and they'll do whatever if they like a song they'll sing it out with all their heart and Mm -hmm. you know that's that's so important and that's um the main thing I think that people that causes people to hesitate when taking lessons because a lot of adults especially when they when they join my classes they do it for them right it's it's usually something Mm -hmm. well I want to tap back into my creative side or I've just been bogged down so much in in my job. I want to do something for me. I want to grow my creative, you know, side. I love to sing and I never get to do anything that I love to do. So let me do this for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really the most important thing is just having that that, um, desire to be better. And if you have that, you can be better. Um, Because a lot of singing has to do with technique. Um, if you're breathing correctly, if you have, you know, the the right parts of your of your body engaged when they need to be engaged, if you have uh, the balances between freedom and control, if you're, um, you know, anything like that, then you have the ability to sing, right? Even if you're tone deaf, even if you have pitch problems, there's always a way forward. Um, so what I like to tell people is... Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mistake, make big mistakes, right? Because we're here in this class to fix those mistakes. So um, that's basically the whole philosophy behind being a singer or wanting to take singing classes is being willing to make big mistakes and fix those mistakes and learn how to fix those mistakes. Wow! So, fa la 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 la. Can you teach me? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Silence. So apparently there are a few of us that are unfixable. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I think you could fix me up. There is some intensive uh, programs. On that note, do you remember that song I sent you a while back? I wrote a song and I sent it to you for your approval. And you were like, uh, the song is good, but your voice is... Um... <laughs> that's what friends are for keep it real okay like we were like 15 or something it was so long ago i don't even (laughs) wow 
Oh, my God. Okay, well, I still have the song lyrics, so I'm going to go to you, and you're going to teach me how to properly sing it. All right, let's do it. Ready? (laughs) Ready. Practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing all of that great information about your business. Your backstory is amazing, and I think that what you're doing with these kiddos is awesome. I love the creativity of it. You know, I'm a creative at heart, so I love it. I love all of that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move into the the star of the show, we'll say. Um, yeah. Our discussion on Black parenting. So let's, let's really get into the nitty gritty, y'all. Starting with our first question. And Dozy, I'm going to go to you first. Um, what made you want to teach and mentor children? Um, Just dealing with my own personal issues growing up. Um, But I think I I have a knack for it, like I have a talent for it. I mean, it's not for everybody. Everybody, you know, can't handle kids. It's very difficult, you know. (laughs) It's not for everybody, but I feel like, I feel like uh, I, I think I, I just naturally was a, um, naturally able to um, teach children mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I've raised children, you know, ma- um, majority of my life, actually, since I was a kid. So wow. for me, I enjoyed it. I didn't, you know, I felt like it was something that I could naturally do. And then as I got older, um, I actually took teacher positions. I was a Sunday school teacher. Um, being a nanny is you're teaching the kids right. every Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Teacher's assistant when I was in college and I did a couple of other things um, in the mentorship and teacher position. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of sharpened my skills and learning how to actually deal with kids in that's in, in, in that specific setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just with my pre- my professional background as an um, educator and going through finishing my degree and um, um, getting my master's, master's in public administration. Um, I learned to write out lesson plans and curriculum. And so, I mean, I guess I just kind of like over the years kind of put everything that I learned together mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, create the programs that we have today. Um, and on top of that, I draw from therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's the main component of the mental health side is what I've learned about myself through th- through th- through therapy, and I just take and kind of break those skill sets, those tools down, um, so that a child can be able to understand. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you say you've been raising kids since you were nine. Girls, <laughs> since I was a kid, I was you to know, say, kid yeah. raising kids. <laughs> yes, because my my mother, she always would make me re- watch someone's kid or somebody be like, Josie, can you watch? And so there was always a kid in my care. Wow. Really. You know, wow. and we would have fun. We would have like water balloon parties, you know, like we, we would just have a good time. And that's an, also another element for me of fun for the kids is I want, especially with black and brown kids, we don't have enough opportunities to have a good time, just good fun time, you know, mm-hmm. and you can have a good fun time anywhere. Like I would take the kids to the grocery store. We'd be singing in the grocery store, you know, people would be like looking at us like, so what? We're having a good time, yeah. you know, yeah. leave us alone. <laughs> so... I wanted to make sure that we were always we were always surrounded by a good time. 
That's awesome. That's so fun. I could just picture young Dozy running around with all the kids. <laughs> There's a lot of them, girl. There's a lot of them. <laughs> okay, so Brian, same question to you. What made you want to teach and mentor children? Well, I didn't at first. Um, I was about to I say, don't... can I give a quick disclaimer? This girl <laughs> did not want kids and didn't want to be around kids, didn't want to look at kids, nothing. Like... <laughs> You would have sworn she was a completely different person back when we were wow. in school. Like, yeah. Look, I almost made a turn today. This little girl I had, like, literally picked her booger and ate it in class. <laughs> the many um, joys of children. This is not what I wanted with my life. <laughs> I did not want to be watching a four-year-old pick boogers on Zoom. But I think over time... Um, I think that getting to know, first of all, I work with kids one-on-one -on -one or mm -hmm. with their parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a huge part of why I'm able to do it, honestly. Um, because large groups of kids really do scare me. Um, <laughs> I'm with kids and I'm not the best with groups of kids because I'm just like, all right, y'all have fun. Don't get <laughs> and that's the thing. <laughs> I got to really talk to them and you know get to know them and most kids are good it's just parents that aren't mm -hmm. good and most kids are really good you know they're really fun kind-hearted mm -hmm. um, just sweet and I, I love being around innocence like that because it gives me joy and it gives me joy to foster that and to <laughs> encourage that kind of uh, innocence and to they get so excited when they learn new things. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so fun. It's just so fun to work with kids one at a time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I mean, talking about the innocence, it, and it does rub off on you. Yeah. You know, like it, it just makes you want to help them and support them and make and continue to help continue to make their life joyful. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. One one of my favorite stories is that um, I have a little black student and she goes, she's um, so most of since it is a private lesson situations, most of the kids that I deal with are at, more affluent. Mm -hmm. um, so the the girl she goes to, uh, she's a little black girl. She's an, uh, adopted. She goes to an all white school mm -hmm. and um she was having she she was having so many issues at that school getting bullied they were calling her monkey and this and that and so she wanted to come to these lessons so that she could go to the school talent show and impress everybody and they would stop making fun of her and we uh, did it we did uh, it and that was so and you know i was really pissed at first i was like wow these kids suck why why are they you know I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to encourage a revenge mission. Yeah. Um, <laughs> positive mentorship. Positive mentorship. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she was just so excited um, to to sing. And there were little points, you know, during the year where, she, like, she wanted to sing this song called Dance Monkey, but she was scared yeah. that she wanted to sing that song mm -hmm. in front of people start calling her Dance Monkey. Gotcha. Uh, well, if you're wow. going to sing that song with confidence, you know, they're not going to have anything to say. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just just kind of instilling in the fact that if you are sure of yourself, everybody mm-hmm. else ain't going to have shit to say to you, girl. Mm-hmm. They fall in line. Just able to, uh, to pass down that kind of information, especially, you know, to all little kids in general, but especially to little black girls. It's so... Mm-hmm. It's so important to me to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> kudos to your, yes, kudos to your student. I'm so happy for oh, her. Yes. I went back and she won the talent show two years in a row. Boom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Black girl magic, girl. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so obviously there are a lot of things you guys like about working with kids, but what is the best part? I know, hard to choose, but what's the best, the top one? Brian? what's your answer? The top thing <laughs> um, is that basically they laugh at everything I say. They think I'm so funny. <laughs> I mean, you are right, but if they like you. <laughs> I'm so funny. No, um, just, <laughs> just their, like I said before, their innocence and and their pure joy about things mm-hmm. kids get so happy about things and they really mean it right they don't really have any alter ulterior motives so mm-hmm. having that kind of be my main source of work interaction mm-hmm. as opposed to everything i was getting years and years and years before from customer service interaction mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff just having that kind of happiness and willingness to learn and willingness to listen be my day-to-day interaction is probably the most beneficial part for me selfishly but (laughs) some good energy you know good energy yeah and it makes me never dread going to work Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes i do be like i don't feel like waking up right now but it's never like oh god i do not want to go do this class or i don't want to go see the student it's always just like me being lazy. <laughs> That's true, though. I agree with that because you, you enjoy what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So Dozy, same question. Um, it's getting to see. So we do a pre-survey and a post-survey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the pre-survey is just questions asking them about how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we present them with those same set of questions after the class. Mm-hmm. And so to see that the transformation between how they feel about themselves in the beginning mm. to how they feel about yeah. themselves after. For me, mm. that's mm. like, oh, okay, so we're really doing something here. It's like, it's confirmation. Yes. You know what I mean? um, and we had one class, we, we were teaching at a girl's home, a group home for girls. Mm. And we always stack the, um, we always stack, stack the volunteers with, people that look like the kids. So we have a lot of black and brown um, volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then we only have um, women for the girls and then men for the boys. So with the girls, um, this at the, with, at the girls' location, we had, it was a spa day class. And so they were wrapping up and the girls were getting their manicures. And this is towards the end when most of the kids, when most of the girls had um, um, dispersed and gone to their locations. We were wrapping up some manicures. And so there's a little black girl Oh, she's not little. They were they're, they're teenagers. She was a teenager, um, and so she was get, wrapping up her manicure. And we have volunteers that do the manicures for the kids. Mm-hmm. And so she gets up and she walks um, walks away, and she looks at us and she's like, she's never seen black women working together in her life, right? Wow. And for me, like I I know the environment that these kids come from, mm-hmm. and I know 
you know, their hardships. But it didn't dawn on me, like, the level of representation that, that they don't have. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And just the, and that's layered, you know, it's not just, I don't have a father or I don't have a mother. It's like, I don't see a black women or black women in my family, like working together. Mm-hmm. There's turmoil in the relationships. So for her to say that, I was like, okay, we, we have to do this on, on a bigger scale I and mean, we got to keep going, you know? They need to have access to more of us. So, I mean, I enjoy those conversations, but like, it's it's still, it's an eye-opener for me. And, you know, every time I hear comments that just are shocking to me, you oh know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you literally cannot stop now. <laughs> like, yeah. you have seen the fruits of your labor. Like, you gotta keep going. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Girl, you're about to make me tear up on this podcast. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. <laughs> Drink Emotions are okay. They're okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Whew. That was a good one. That was definitely a good one. Um, so I'm sure you both have heard the phrase, children are our future. So why is it important to invest time and energy into kids when they're young versus when they become adults? So Dozy, I'll go to you first. Ooh, that's a good question. Yes. Um, and I, I say this all the time. I, I always say that children are our future because they are. Every adult that has some kind of traumatic experience has been a child mm-hmm. with traumatic experiences. And you've just become an adult and you didn't deal with it. So um, the children, children eventually become adults and eventually run the world. Right. So if we can catch them at a younger age and help them deal with their traumas, then their outcome is going to be so much more different versus us adults dealing with our childhood traumas at the age that we are now. Yeah. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're pumping out children that are healed, um, yes. can ha- have conversations about their emotions, um, can make better choices because they've learned and understand that choices, um, negative choices can negatively negatively impact your life and positive choices can positively impact your life. Um, so, I mean, it's a direct pipeline. If you're a child with trauma and you don't deal with it, you're gonna grow up with, into adulthood with your trauma and it's going to exacerbate your lifestyle. Yes. So, I, yeah, like I like that point you made about kids being able to explain their emotions because and I, I'm, I might be sharing a little bit much, but I, it has a point, I promise. Um, so me and my fiance have started our premarital counseling. And one of the things that came up was avoidant attachment issues, mm. which is like, I was like, whoa, that's a fancy term. Um, but it, it stems from intimacy issues and being able to talk out our emotions, you know, um, and express our emotions. And I can't help but think like that this started a long, long time ago when I was young, you know? So that, I mean, that's a really good point that people don't realize that, you know, that's a huge thing we need to work on. You're not alone. Yes. Thank you. Cause sometimes I feel like it. (laughs) You're not, we all go through something. Oh man. Um, So Brian, why would you say it's important to invest in our young ones? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, 
basically those you said it and they are the future they are the people that's going to be in charge of us when we're old mm-hmm. so you know the less amount of traumatized people we got running around out there the better, <laughs> yeah right yeah. yep yeah working with <laughs> traumatized people running our governments and our world yeah. for years and years and years i think the True. the more the more that we can get a jump on that and you know at least help to put some of these traumas into context mm-hmm. um when they're still young and they still have such multiple minds right. is 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 definitely helpful because by the time you get to be an adult your your mind your mind is made up on a lot of different things mm-hmm. um yeah. experience that a lot with their with their parents um you know, through these past four years dealing with Trump and all mm-hmm. of this foolishness, because a lot of people realize that their parents have their minds made up about stuff that doesn't make any sense to them because mm-hmm. they, from a very young age, had their mind molded a different way. Right. Um, and so finding places that you can um, instill empathy and instill values of morality into kids at a young age um, is crucial because... Um, I think that selfishness and lack of education together come to a dangerous cocktail in an adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can definitely try to avoid um, try to avoid those issues while we can before we have to, uh, <laughs> you know, deal with them as a, when they're adults and before you working in the office with them like I am, oh. uh, you know. <laughs> The realty. <laughs> um, okay, so what is your idea of mental balance for children? In other words, what are some key things that you believe should be present in a child's life? Speaking emotionally, physically, etc. Brian, I'll go to you. Hmm. <laughs> a I lot mean, of things, that's, right? <laughs> that's a question, and that's the question that, as a parent, I ask myself every day: like, what? Do these kids need? I mm-hmm. just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more than anything, um, what I've noticed is that kids need freedom, but with direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so they need the freedom to be able to make bad choices and make good choices and determine for themselves that was a good choice, that was a bad choice. But being there to again put that kind of stuff into context um mm-hmm. is important as well mm-hmm. um but i as a parent i think that's the scariest thing for me is not really knowing what they need mm-hmm. um not really knowing what's going to work for them what isn't going to work for them mm-hmm. trying to constantly check myself and not cause the same childhood traumas that i had mm-hmm. and um also working with a partner working with my husband as a parenting partner and finding that his um his traumas are not the same as my traumas but he still has the same issues with them than i do um and that you know i not only have to check mine but i have to check his and he not only has to check his he also has to check mine Mm -hmm. um and we have to just keep each other in check that way to just go back and forth like okay i don't think this was the best way to handle this and luckily our kids are still so young. They're like, <laughs> at this point, you can 
throw them outside to the wolves and they'll still come back inside and love you next time they see you. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just not to throw my cat out to the wolves, but <laughs> um, but they really do just kind of bounce back. So if we make mistakes now at this point, you know, it's easy to come back from. But mm-hmm. once they get older and start to, and we're seeing this now with my oldest, who's about to be four, she's three and a half. And she, you know, I see, I start, I'm starting to see our personalities come out in her because, mm-hmm. you know, that's the main thing when kids are so young, they're mirrors of their parents. And I want our reflection to be nicely, you know, seen. Right. <laughs> and so I'm starting to see little things like she, she'll, we, we're arguing and she'll come up to me and say, oh, you're yelling at daddy? <laughs> wow so she's starting to notice those things I was yelling at daddy and this is wow talk about it now because now you understand it and i don't like yeah. it yeah, yeah. wow yes self-reflection yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so definitely kids are a big mirror on yourself and your problems and your issues mm-hmm. and so Having to look at yourself, I think, in the mirror is the hardest part of being a parent, but it's also, I think, the most necessary. Um, And a lot of people don't do it and they Mm -hmm. learn from themselves or their past when they go into parenting. And I think that's where a lot of those um, cycles that we see in Black children and Black communities pop up is because people don't have the tools to learn from their past or don't have the desire to in, in the first place. So just repeating the same cycles of trauma that we learn from our childhood is mm-hmm. um, something that we as parents are trying to break, but a lot of people don't do. Mm-hmm. Breaking those generational curses, girls. Yeah. Hard. Right. And I breaking think that a lot of people mm-hmm. mistake general, generational curses to be something that's not self-inflicted. Um, mm-hmm. because wow, you can break that general cur- that generational curse by recognizing that it's there and making the life changes to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not like in church, you know, we learn pray to God to break the generational curses, and that's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Let's get a little bit more detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to work with um yeah wow wow <laughs> self-inflicted generational curses curses yeah that was good yeah that's a good one Whew. Mm-hmm. so dozy same question um what are some key things that you think should be present in a child's life um i would say a couple of things mm-hmm. one is intimacy mm-hmm. um especially in black and brown homes Mm -hmm. um, where children are told, um, what is it to be hurt? What is it seen, not heard or something like that? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like you're pretty much telling them to shut up and be quiet. Right. Um, And so and I'm talking in terms of, you know, being more affectionate Mm -hmm. with your children, you know, um, telling them that you love them. That was a big one for me growing up. My parents are, they're traditional Nigerians. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 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 I mean, it's parenting from the old school book. Right. You know, like you, 
father doesn't say I love you, but he shows you because you have a roof over your head, food on the table, yep. clothes on your back. Girl, yeah. You're going to- Girl. <laughs> <Can> I- <laughs> <laughs> Am I preaching yes. to the choir? Preaching preach to the choir. <laughs> you know? And my mother, you know, I mean, they're both working 7,000 jobs, you know, mm-hmm. and not in the home as much. And so you're latchkey kids raising each other. Mm-hmm. And what's missing is is you, your intimacy. It's the, the time that I get with you as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and one of my biggest things is when parents cuss at their children and told them to shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, yell at them for being a child, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're telling them that it's not okay. What you're doing is not okay. When that's all they know, they're children, they're going to knock some stuff over. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, mess up, you know, pour baby powder on their head. Like <laughs> they're supposed to do that, you know? And when they do that, you laugh and you pick them up, give them a hug and you, you know, tell them don't do it again. Or you, you know give them some kind of consequence that's not going to result in them feeling like you have hurt them or, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to take a, have a ne- negative reaction to, you know, the consequences. Um, so um, especially for black and brown boys, you know, who are told to be strong, mm-hmm. um, you don't cry. You know, mm-hmm. some, some people punch their kids when they cry, their boys when they cry, to toughen them up, quote unquote. And all of those have negative res- residual effects on your child when, when they're gonna, when they grow up, they're gonna, they're going to hurt because they didn't have that intimate connection with you as mm-hmm. a parent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say intimacy, and then the next one is fun. I know I said it multiple times, but I'm really a really big advocate of just enjoying time with the kids. You yes. Know? They, I mean, parents have a lot going on in their lives. And it's, it's difficult to switch from thing to thing and then back to your kids when you have mind your mind on 10,000 other, other things and things are happening in your life, you know, but carving out a mental place just to smile and enjoy and do stuff that like my favorite thing to do when I was, I did this whole like hand thing. Like I'm like, a, <laughs> favorite thing, wave that hair. <laughs> um, I used to like, I would, what did we do? Like, I remember one time, like, I would take the kids to the park, and I was, I mean, I'm the kind of person, like, I would have, I could have the whole park playing soccer together, and none of them know each other, you know, none wow. of them have, have gone to school together, but I'd be, and the parents would be like, do you host parties? Do you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't, you know, but it's just the fact that, you know, kids outside of school, they only get a certain amount of recess, you know, a day. Mm-hmm. And then they come home, they got to do homework. Or if, if they're babies or they're, they're younger, you know, they sleep, they, you know, they play with their toys and they have like, recreational um, activities. Or, I mean, um, educational activities for, you know, that the parents um, host with the kids. But just some, just a little bit of time to smile and pick them up and joke around with them. Corny joke, just like things that you know, introduce new toys or introducing old toys to babies is one that I like doing a lot. Um, my parents often, oftentimes have a lot of, just a lot of toys and just things that kids get tired of playing with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a short term thing. Um, and so I like to reach, like create new activities with those old toys to do mm-hmm. with kids. And it works because they don't know what they have. So introducing new ways of something being shiny to them is fun and it's time time with the parent and the child and when they're older and they're teenagers and they don't want to talk to you because they hate your guts you know right you can still be (laughs) 
you can still be a part of the world. Take them out, you know, do stuff. Take them on dates, you know, father, daughter, daughter dates, mommy, daughter dates, son dates, daddy, um, son dates, you know, take them out on on dates. Mm-hmm. Even if they even if they're like they hate you, they don't really hate you. Yeah. I don't really they, hate you, mom, just so you know. I don't I just teenage. I just tell you I hate you. Like Yeah. <laughs> I just say it. But yeah, just you know, enjoying life because it's so short and mm-hmm. they're gonna only be that age and you're only gonna get that time with them for that short amount of time. You know, once it's gone, it's gone. So mm-hmm. we just need more more fun with the kids. Wow, yes. those are you're like a child expert, girl. Like, oh, I wouldn't say that, <laughs> but I've been doing it for a while. Sheesh, I like, wouldn't say that. I mean, and it's funny because you would, you know, I feel like when I've heard this answer from other people, they would say things like, "Oh, they need to be in a good school, and they need to have you know good books, and they need to have you know." And you literally straight away from all of that, you're like, "No, intimacy, yeah. fun." Things that make them human, you know? Yes. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, girl. Preach. Preach. This is such a great conversation. I'm sorry. I just get really excited about this. You guys have offered some good advice. Oh, man. Um, Okay. So now we're kind of getting into the the really, really deep stuff. Um, So Dozy. Have you noticed any differences in black and brown children? Um, and how do you address these differences? Yes, because they have more risk factors mm-hmm. in the homes. Mm-hmm. So there are some kids who are homeless. Oh my gosh. Um, there's some kids who have gone through domestic um, abuse, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, they're are kids who are afraid of the police or have these conversations about police brutality. Mm-hmm. And they're so much more aware, like at, you know, this age that they are in, I mean, this, gener- I mean, this generation. Right. Like the stuff that they're talking about, I'm like, I didn't even know about the stuff or I, like, I wasn't as involved socially or politically. Right. Yeah, as they- I noticed that too. Like I was talking mm-hmm. about spell I cup in middle school. Like that was me. <laughs> And these kids that today are talking about politics. What? Yes. Beat it on the desk. Try to come up with the like the late. I mean, they still do that, but like right. the rap and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. yeah but they are they are much more involved. Um, but yeah, but in terms of black and brown communities and or just um children, they are they do have a lot more against them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. so that's why they need more resources and uh, more spaces to talk about their mental health because you can't unfortunately fix that they are I mean, you can't fix some of those resources I mean, risk factors um, mm-hmm. right away but you can help alleviate the pain you right. know or create spaces where they can feel good for a short period of time um or take them you know to take them away mentally from what they're currently dealing with and right. School should provide that, you know, but unfortunately, I, I, our system is not focused on, it's, it's not even focused on education if, if we're really getting down to it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so they, 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 the places that they have to go to are really none, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they have a lot. They're dealing with a lot, you know. Oh, man. It's poor children. Ugh. And uh, Brianna, I know you kind of touched on, you know, a story from one of your students. So 
I mean, what differences have you noticed and, and do you address them differently or, or do you do things differently with black and brown children? Um, generally, no, I don't do anything differently. I just um, treat everybody the same. But I think that I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is that black children have less are, are less inclined to actually express their real feelings. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of time, you know, white kids will tell me all day long, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't da, da, da. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, and for me, for my purposes, I don't care. That's fine. I can do whatever they want to do. But <laughs> but I have noticed black kids are more, well, what do you want to do? Well, what do you think I should do? Well, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about uh, if I ask them, well, how did that feel? Well, I'm not sure. How what? How is it supposed to feel? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that a lot of black children defer a lot more to authority, a lot more to adults. And that comes from generational and just kind of ancestral place that black people have been in, in America in general. I think that that's the first place that that comes from. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, a lot of black parents, especially now are focusing a lot more on respect authority, avoid the police kind of, of, of rhetoric mm -hmm. um, when it comes to keeping their kids safe, which, you know, Everybody keeps their kids safe in a different way, so no judgment there. But um, as far as as the way that they um, know themselves, it's not very personally. Um, mm -hmm. Black kids know I'm a kid and I should stay in a kid's place type thing. Mm -hmm. But they don't know anything other than I'm a child and I'm not an adult yet. They think, okay, oh well, my parent tells me I don't know anything about that yet. I'm too young or mm -hmm. tells me, you know, uh, stay out of grown folks business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, to a certain extent, there's certain stuff that kids shouldn't know. But if they do know it, it's important for us to, like I said before, put it into context and and let them know, you know, what it means for them personally. So, for example, people talk a lot about um, how gay relationships are coming up in in media a lot more and they're mm -hmm. seeing that negative thing or you're influencing my child etc cetera, etc cetera. but um i think that a lot of people number one just don't want to have those conversations with their kids and mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing you can do about that if you don't want to have the conversation you shouldn't have kids because right you know, I think the most important thing, the most important job that we have as parents is to talk to our kids mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. express themselves and how they feel and help them become the people that they want to become. And that includes knowing about things that may not you may not personally agree with or you may have hang ups about, et cetera, et cetera. You, they, it's still a part of the world. You can't shield them from it forever. So it's better that they have a sense of it, of mm -hmm. what it is, what that means. Um, you know, they, it's better that they have a sense of, okay, mommy, why are those two dudes kissing? Because they love each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. Boom, that's it. That's all a kid mm -hmm. needs to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't have to go any further than that. It's not like you have to sit down and explain to your kids what butt sex is. Like, <laughs> yeah, literally just make sure you mark this episode as rated R. Yes, we can. We can. <laughs> It's just like they get like so intensely right. afraid of explaining yeah. stuff to their kids. And I think that that's a huge, 
Um, and I think that that number one applies to black parents in particular. And then number two affects black kids in a way that makes them scared to express themselves or not even know how or what that means to express yeah. themselves. Wow. I mean, those points that you made are really kind of making me relook at my own life. Um, I remember, and you know, me and my mom, we've talked this out now. We're at a different place, right. <laughs> but I remember, you know, the whole sex conversation, right? And every time it would slightly come up, it was always a thing of like, "Oh, you'll, I'll talk to you about it when you get older. You'll, we'll talk about it when you get older," mm-hmm. you know. And it was one of those things where, I mean, at the time I wasn't having sex, but it was one of those things where it was like a lot of my friends were. You know, Mm -hmm. so like we should be already having these conversations. Um, And I remember the whole reason why I even waited so long um, was two part. Um, One, I didn't want to burn in the internal pit of fire as I was taught in church. That was number one. And then number (laughs) two, the first reference my mom made to sex was that it was painful, like drudgingly painful. And that you don't want to go through it with just anybody. So I had this notion in my head that I was literally that I was just about to like get broken in half the first time. Girl. (laughs) Like I was I thought my story was bad. That's I was so scared. Like it 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 stemmed from fear. And Mm -hmm. that fear eventually translated into me having my own personal self-esteem issues and you know not feeling sexy and you know like how a grown woman should feel you know um so it's just oh girl yeah that's that's some deep rooted stuff yeah our communities goes through like it's yeah i unfortunately sometimes parents are real with fear right instead of love and knowledge exactly That's a good, yeah. Rule with love and knowledge. I like that. Fear is easier. It's easier. Mm. It's easier to scare people than it is to love people. Mm. (laughs) Isn't it? It's so backwards. Yeah. You know, love will will open up the doors for you and fear will close them off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Y'all are, I'm like rethinking life. <laughs> Maybe we should write a book together, guys. Yeah. I'm on a nice little, yeah. like I'm literally in my head, y'all. Like y'all don't even know. Like, oh my God. I'm about to call my mom after this. Did you know that you were supposed to rule with love and knowledge? <laughs> no, no, no. No. No, <laughs> no she's she's amazing we've had some great talks since i've been an adult so mm-hmm. um whew, man this conversation so okay brian this is specifically for you um you have two beautiful black girls um so how has your parenting journey raising black children proven to be different from your peers from my peers who friends with kids from your you you do have non-black <laughs> friends with kids oh non oh them yeah um, yes. <laughs> um I, I don't know honestly i don't really talk 
Yeah, I don't really talk to anybody about their their kids other than parents that I work with kids. But um whose kids that I work with, I mean. But um I don't know. All I know, well, I, I guess I can say how my parenting journey has differed from my husband's or from like, because honestly, I don't, I, I don't bother with what other people do with their kids because I don't have time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are so, you know, they're 16 months apart. So mm-hmm. they're so much of a handful on them on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have learned that I have to be more patient with myself. Um, and then I've learned the way that my mental health, my, my, my state of mental health affects my parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess learning how to quickly address or maybe even, and I, it's probably not a good thing, but I will sometimes learn how to separate myself from my own mental health so that I can be in the moment for my kids, regardless of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know it's not always the best idea to push your feelings to the back, but Mm -hmm. as a parent, sometimes that's a step that you have to take. So Mm -hmm. um, because I've been in situations, I think uh, where I've had some of the most devastating things of my life happen to me in front of my kids and I have Mm -hmm. to, not break down i have to not scare them right mm-hmm. because they're so young and so impressionable i think the first time i cried in front of my oldest she was very shaken and that mm-hmm. shook me because she had mm-hmm. never seen me because i you know it was a a grief cry it was something that you know was very intense to me so um she was very um, affected by it. She she wasn't able to sleep and, you know, she wanted to be mm-hmm. near me all the time. So just seeing how my body language and my mental um, state affects my kids so directly, um, that's a big thing that I've had to adjust. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's helped me in ways to control my emotions and my emotional outbursts and um, because I'm a very emotion forward. Well, in a way, I'm a very emotion forward person when it comes down to those emotions bubbling up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for the most part, I try to, you know, hold it all in and stay strong and put on, you know, the the veneer. But Mm -hmm. um, when those emotions do come up, they come out very intensely. And so I've had to learn how to temper that over time because number one, if I'm feeling emotions about something else and my kid does something to upset me, I don't want to blow up at them because right. of something else that's going on, which I've done mm-hmm. in the past. I, I can't do that. Right. And that's part of what I've learned as a parent. And that's part of what I was talking about earlier. The fact that they are so young now that they can just bounce back and love me again but I know that if I was dealing with like a 13 14 year old and I would have blew up like that at them mm-hmm. it would have been a whole conversation we would have had to sit down yeah. mm-hmm. a couple weeks of therapy mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. so I guess I don't know it's a, it's a really hard question I don't know how <laughs> I did anyone else because I only know how I can be better and right. I know how I differ from when I started being a parent 
And I know that how I differed from one kid to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but a parenting is such a personal journey that I really never had time to look for me anyway, especially since I was so new to kids in general, seeing mm-hmm. as I didn't have, I didn't grow up with babies. I didn't mm-hmm. grow up with young children. All my step uh, siblings were my age or older. I guess my little brother was uh, like four years younger, but he was never a, like a young kid around me. So mm-hmm. I never had to deal with child, children and children's emotions and helping children to control their emotions. So mm-hmm. for me, I've just kind of been focusing on how I can be better every day. Learning, like you said, to laugh at certain things that are very inconvenient for me. <laughs> so I can eat that when I have to spend an hour and a half cleaning up, you know, rice out of the carpet or something <laughs> like that. Like, it's some things you just got to let go. Mm-hmm. Parenting has definitely helped me to realize that letting things go is so much easier than holding on to them or getting mad mm-hmm. about them. <laughs> just in life um mm-hmm. parenting so yeah sorry i didn't answer your question but uh <laughs> <laughs> no that was a great answer and i like the part that you brought up about how you cried for the first time in front of your kid and your kid was just shaken you know she had never seen this type of emotion from you and you know it, it affected her and i will say that goes well into adulthood because I remember the last time my mother cried um, and she is a very strong, authoritative woman. You know, my mom, Brian, um, worked for, you know, HPD for 30 years. So she is very, very authoritative. And when I found out, you know, that she cried and I knew some of the people who made her cry, like I wanted to fight them. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who like who did this to my mother? You know, and I was mm-hmm. a grown woman at the time. So, like, yeah, like being a parent, it has so much. Um, it's it's a lot that comes with it, but it's so rewarding because I was literally ready to go to bat for my mom. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. about to go down. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of loyalty that that comes with the child parent relationship. I think whether they're a good parent or not. Mm-hmm. I a lot of times people have that connection, that that uh, inability to release themselves from their parents' emotions. So mm-hmm. it's so important to be um to be a good parent in general, just because you're gonna have a, I, it's not good to compare your kids to animals, but it's kind of the same thing as, <laughs> as like a dog, right? You Dogs are so innocent and they have such undenying, uh, uh, unrelenting loyalty mm-hmm. that that's the reason why people go to bat for them so hard. And you can't mistreat a dog. If you kill a dog in a movie, that's it. Yeah, time, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like kids have such uh, undying loyalty to you mm-hmm. um, that if you mistreat that or you abuse that in any way, it's just. It's an unfathomable crime to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Grr. Grr. Yes. Uh, Dozy. So this question is specifically for you. Um, How can we all contribute to children's success? So parents, teachers, aunts like me, 
uncles? Like what role should we play? I think what's important is giving the child a space to be themselves. Okay. Whether it's your child or someone else's child, um, letting them talk, I'm giving the space to, to talk to you, you know, about anything, whether mm-hmm. you want to hear it or not, mm-hmm. you know, just give them, them a space so they know it's comfortable if I can talk to you mm-hmm. or I'm comfortable if I can talk to you. Yes. Um, for me, that is the most important thing because for me, that's where it starts. You know, if a child knows that they have someone they can re- they can rely on, you know, that's a foundation for them. Yep. And the foundation is essential. That's the, the building blocks to, you know, a child living a healthy lifestyle, having um, a healthy lifestyle outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's very difficult for adults to do is to give children a space to be themselves. I mean, they come out of the womb, you know, knowing who they are, but not knowing who they are. You right. Know what I mean, like they, they're equipped with their behaviors and their personalities. And, you know, when they get older, you can see more of it. And then as mm-hmm. they become adults, society tells them that who you are is not okay, mm-hmm. you know? And so if society if, if society's already going to tell you who you are is not okay and then at, at home that's where you learned it mm-hmm. you know then it's a, it's almost as if you have nowhere to go mm-hmm. wow yeah. so. oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, what, the, what did i say i don't know what did I say? because i i again another conversation i had recently I was telling someone that I just feel like I have not made enough decisions for myself. I feel Mm -hmm. like everyone has told me what I should do, who I should be, how I should look, how I should talk. And I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm so done with it. You know? Um, Oh girl. It's awesome that you came to that, that you came to that realization, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, starting from childhood and giving children the space to be confirming, really confirming who they are. Right. You know, and, and validating who they are. And that's what they're they're craving for. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Oh, that's so, okay. I can do that. You know, yeah. as an auntie, I can definitely do that. I could be the cool aunt, you know? Yes, and you will be. And, and all you're doing is letting them be them. And only because mommy, daddy says I can't do that, or I can't say this, or I can't do. It's just, it's just a lot. There's a lot of boundaries or things in the walls up. I would say, mm-hmm. and you know that start in the home. And so when they leave the home, they want to let those walls down. Right. You know? And unfortunately, sometimes it's with people that they shouldn't trust. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm. Um, and so they need to have um, a trusted. They need to have people that they can trust that will allow them to be themselves. Yeah. Love that. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So moving kind of into our last couple questions. Um, Got the deep stuff out the way. We didn't talk about some black parenting, how to help your kids, what's going on in our community. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you both for just sharing your insight. I mean, this has been a phenomenal episode. I'm excited to upload it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Dozy, do you have any advice to aspiring Black entrepreneurs out there? Um, yes. Um, if you are interested in being an entrepreneur and you are 
a black male or female, um, I advise you to link up with other individuals that maybe are doing the same thing that you're doing or doing it already um, mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. But you need a support system. You cannot do this by yourself. Yeah. Um, and people that affirm who you are, affirm your ideas, because I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we bring our ideas to people and they shut us down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or they discourage us in some kind of way, maybe not intentionally, and some people intentionally, but sometimes I think most of the time it's just people not seeing your vision. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I advise um, black entrepreneurs to link up with people that are um, just entrepreneurs themselves and you know, people who are successful as well in entrepreneurship so that you can have a, a um, diverse demographic of individuals in your network. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and then don't be afraid to start your idea. I think fear stops a lot of people yeah. from um, from building their businesses. And ultimately, it stops your your business from being in the marketplace. You know, so that we don't we don't get to see what the entrepreneur is doing because they haven't built their business or they're too afraid to start it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as a black entrepreneur, we already do not have the resources of the, the capital that we need, mm -hmm. the networks and the people that we need to um, just the information that we need to build our business. And so for that reason, we need you to start your idea. Like we need you to get mm -hmm. out there. We need to have access to what you're doing, whether it fails or not, like half of these businesses run by, you know, white men, white women that are successful have started off failing at some point, mm -hmm. you know, and they just failed until until they figured out what worked for them. Mm -hmm. and so we can't afraid we can't be afraid to fail. Failure is part of the process. Mm -hmm. um, and don't take no for an answer. No is not an answer. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, yeah. you 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 will get a lot of no's and you will be discouraged by the amount of no's that you're going to get. But if you have a support system, um, and you believe in yourself, you have the confidence in what you're doing, then you're going to get a yes. And sometimes you only need one yes to be successful. Yep. Right. Amen, girl. So I like that. Great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Brian, same question. Um, I would say number one, don't hesitate when you see your opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. because that I, I think about that all the time. If I would have been too scared to just do it on my own. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, life puts so many pressures on you that it's like, I feel like, I mean, even now having a business that supports my lifestyle, I still feel like I need to go get a job. What am I doing? I'm not. So don't, don't, I guess, I guess most of all, just don't look for validation from any, anything outside of, um, yourself because mm -hmm. you know a lot of people are like well I'm just waiting for a sign well I'm waiting for this and this and this to happen well I need to get this and this and this in line before I do um there's things that you can do I think my mom talked about this last week there's things that you can do um that don't require whatever it is you're waiting for so do that mm -hmm. something. get something done Get your mission statement done. Get your business plan done. The SBA offers free classes. Take some free business classes. Mm -hmm. um, just get something done. Get some knowledge and get going. 
Right. Uh, and then from there, you can figure it out because eventually you'll get to the point where you've done so much work on it that you don't want to go back and not do anything with it because right. you feel like you wasted your time. So if you get going and you get enough stuff done and you get enough ideas down and you get enough of the ball rolling, then you might as well just push it all the way down the hill. Right. Mm. Yeah. So don't hesitate. Take your opportunities when you can, because um, for black people, they don't really business opportunities in general don't really come to us Mm -hmm. as often, you know, other people, Mm -hmm. because we don't have the business networks, right? The support networks, the financial networks built up that other communities do. Mm-hmm. So um, when you do have the opportunity to start building that, do it because people after you, the kids that we were talking about today, when they need to start their f- business, they're gonna need somebody who's been doing their business for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. They're going to need you to mentor them to get to where you are. Um, so bringing it all back full circle, do it, mm-hmm. do it for the kids. <laughs> do, it, do it for the kids. <laughs> we love the kids. Black network of businesses and, and that, that, that black financial um, support, black networking uh circle (laughs) Uh, so in order to do that we need people to network with right we need people to own businesses we need people to have ideas and we Mm -hmm. need people to execute them so just execute awesome great advice and i i had to throw this one in here which i normally wouldn't do but because children is just such a hot topic do you Uh have any advice to those who want to work with children brian go ahead She's like, I'm still learning. (laughs) Uh, Don't be scared. They're not gonna bite. Well, they they actually might, but (laughs) they're sweeter than you think they are. I think what what my first impression, not first impression, my pre-first impression of working with kids was uh this is gonna be overwhelming. I'm gonna have to be and act like a different person and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to but no, kids kids love it when adults just act like themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't remember a single thing that I enjoyed more when I was a kid than talking to adults like I just was talking to them mm-hmm. so you know like I I could be in grown folks business too <laughs> it's almost like they recognize that authenticity yeah yeah, yeah. They, and they welcome it so don't think that I had a lot of, you know, preconceptions about who I had to be and what I had to act like to work with kids. But, you know, just don't be a weirdo. And you're yeah. kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're fine. Like, just, just use office rules. <laughs> Makes sense. Got it. Yeah. And Dozy will end with you. What would you tell people who want to work with children? Um, just like Brian said, be yourself, be authentic. Um, that is, they they can sniff you out and mm-hmm. tear up your whole life if you're not. Um, <laughs> so that's one. And then I, I always say, humble yourself. I think adults come into the room with this preconceived notion, like you said, um, of how they should be, 
Um, and a, adult and adulting is like, you know, now I'm an adult and I have to do this and I'm this. Right, person, exactly. you, know, you know, all of a sudden you're just like, you're just, I don't know, you have you got responsibilities and so it makes you a harder. I don't know right. what it is. You know, yeah. like a, like a gangster. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But you were a child at what point of your life, so you know how to be a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really just, you know, humble yourself when you come into the room and, and kind of take take down your walls and your boundaries and Get to know them for who they are instead of coming in with an idea of who you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ego also. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to let that go because I, I think I think people, especially when it comes to volunteers, I mean, you see yourself in that child, um, which is a good thing. But at the same time, even though you see them as yourself, I mean, you, you see yourself in them. You know, it's it's you they they they're still a child you right. know and you're still the adult um and so you, you think humbling yourself and letting go of your ego kind of helps you to bring your walls down so you could just just come in there just with a you know clean slate and not even not a clean slate but you know you just you don't have so much baggage with you when you're coming into right. the, coming you know deal with the child and you and the, so that allows you to be free and mm-hmm. you can adapt you can you know if Somebody farts in the class and everybody's laughing. You know, you can laugh or <laughs> along with them or tell them like, "Hey, that, that was funny, but don't do that again." You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, your perspective and an approach is is different when you're able to do that. So, wow, I love that, and I like how you said, that. yeah, and I like how you said that we were, um, you know, we were child before, and that we mm-hmm. know what it's like to be a child. And you know, I tell my fiance all the time, I was like, "How can we be?" homeowners and still watch cartoons like is that okay to do like can we do that <laughs> yes it's okay yes. <laughs> like i just it feels so wrong but so right, right. you yeah. know <laughs> yeah adulting will make you think that you just have so many you're just so tough and you're just gonna do right everything. no you can still laugh and play yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh man. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, guys. <laughs> How do y'all think it went? I mean, this is a great discussion to me. That you was saw me. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. excited. I feel, like, I feel like I was in therapy for a little bit. It was yeah. so <laughs> It did kind of feel like some girl talk, you know, like mm-hmm. I needed this. I, I definitely it. needed this. Well. I want to especially thank you, Dozy, for coming onto our episode, having this yeah. conversation with us, telling us about your amazing nonprofit and everything you're doing. Um, I think it's great. You guys definitely got to check her out. And please let everybody know where they can find you, follow you, all of that stuff. Yes. Um, well, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gals, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience and get to meet you guys virtually. You know, yes. In person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can find us at on our website at www.choosetodoinc.org. And that's C-H-O-O-S-E-T-O-D-O-I-N-C.org. Um, and then you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, at Choose to Do Inc. And then subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our online videos. Love it. Love it. I love that y'all are everywhere. So there ain't no yeah. excuse, y'all. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can find them everywhere. Trust me. Um, yes, ma'am. And Brian, even though you're the co-host, I still want to thank you for being part of this interview and giving us your insight. So, <laughs> just <laughs> I, I saw it coming in your face. I was like, she's about to give this really snarky answer. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> um, and I know we usually give our handles at the end, but let people know where they can find Brian Warner music. Um, yeah, you can find Brian Warner music um, at the website, BrianWarnerMusic.com. That's B-R-I-O-N-N-W-A-R-N-E-R music. Um, and uh, I'm also at Brian Warner music at um, on Instagram and B no Brian W music mm. on Twitter. Gotcha. See, I told you you kept changing your handles, and that's why I tagged the wrong person in our last post. (laughs) I don't know who this free is, but (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, but uh, it's just those places. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Brian Warner Music. Um, you can find me on Thumbtack, Brian Warner Music. That's like a gig hiring site. So if you're looking for It doesn't have to be in the Houston area, but um, uh, if you're looking for private vocal lessons or um, you want to set up a toddler music class for a group of toddlers that you know, or just a group of toddlers that you know, just like a gang of toddlers, you know, that hangs out in your neighborhood. A gang of toddlers, really? <laughs> just a gang of toddlers hanging out. Like... <laughs> I, just, I just got that visual. I mean, <laughs> very scary um yeah you can you can book me on thumbtack um or anything like that so yeah. did you want to talk about your soon to be youtube channel possibly maybe sort of kind of yeah right i'm gonna have a youtube channel <laughs> i forgot about it yeah um that's brian warner music too um i'm gonna be doing little um singing tips and giving you warm-ups and um little 90 second videos or longer i haven't really decided yet but i made a logo and that's i got that far that's see like i said just yeah start. you just keep, keep moving you know and just mm-hmm. do what you can Eventually, I'll the video mm-hmm. yeah there you go <laughs> awesome well thank you guys again for having this interview with me um, everyone else out there, feel free to follow us at Dear Me Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You will not want to miss this series. We're only halfway through, guys. So we got lots more to talk about. Um, I would tell you guys the theme for the next episode, but I think I want it to be a surprise. Yeah, let's mm. make it a surprise. Y'all got to come <laughs> back and subscribe to hear what's going on. You know? Who's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have any last words, Brian? Thanks, guys. And thank you, Dozy, again. This is so good. This yeah. is so awesome. This is really thank good. You. We've actually already got some compliments from some of my friends. They were like, oh, my gosh, I love you guys' podcast. Like, you guys are really... I know. I was like, oh, my God, y'all are listening? <laughs> you know, our podcast is pretty rad. <laughs> so yeah again subscribe follow us all that good stuff and we will catch you guys in the next episode
See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.